Hello, my name is Marzena Farana Sherlock and I would love to welcome you to episode number 9 of Just Stories podcast. A podcast where I meet with people to hear their personal stories that you will not find in any history books. However, those stories are important to an individual, their families and their friends. Today I'm honored to talk to Justyna Majewska, who says that journeys at youth are part of the education, but at maturity are part of the experience. Justyna describes herself as a sunrise lover. She loves people as much as she loves traveling, not only visiting physical places, but taking people on their personal journeys. Today we will talk about a community of women, Motskobiet, that Justyna co-created, about yoga, and about art. I hope you'll enjoy our conversation. Welcome, Justyna. Hello, welcome everyone. I was wondering if we can start from describing the place that you call home now. The places I call home now, it's probably Scotland. It must be Scotland because this is my home for the past 15, almost 16 years. I arrived here in 2005, so it's been a quite a long journey. I was only 22, so soon I will be living much longer in Scotland than in Poland. I've got my family here, two children, my husband, dog and six hens. And I must say that we are making this little family, which is extending every year. I have this impression. It's a lovely place, over five. We live in a little village, far away from people, although there's some neighbors here. I must say, but we've got lovely views and those views are, you know, spectacular and it would be very difficult to leave this place if I would have to go in completely different directions. So yes, arrived here, I fell in love and I'm still here. I think I recalled seeing, because I've arrived to South Queensferry, that was my first town in Scotland, very beautiful village. And there was at that stage two bridges. And those two bridges actually remind me home because I come from Poland in a city called Płock, where you also had those two bridges. And there was a beautiful cathedral in Płock and here in Dunfermline, beautiful castle. So there are many different things that remind me that it's almost like at home, you know. The bridges are part of my life, I would say. (laughs) It's like the story of many people who arrived here just for holidays and stayed. When we were preparing for today's recording, you described yourself as world citizen. Although you defined Scotland as your home, you said that If you had to choose, you would say you're a world citizen. What does it mean to you? Being a world citizen means that it doesn't matter actually where you're staying in terms of the earth, ground. It means that you can be a living creature everywhere in the world. And that place at that very moment is your home. So obviously, because I'm Polish and back in 2005, we were able to travel a little bit more freely over Europe. So that means that you could settle down in every country you wanted. And it happened for me that that was Scotland. But once you choose one place, it was easy to go and find another place. And that didn't have to be Europe. That could be somewhere in America, somewhere in Asia, everywhere in the world. And wherever you are, and if you feel comfortable, you've got your own people around you, and you're really feeling lovely in that place, that place is your home as well. And uh, being a world citizen means you can have your home everywhere, basically. Just going back, because you're talking about being far away from people. How did it happen that you've chosen in Scotland a very remote place to live in? How did it happen? 
very spontaneously. Once I finished my university back in 2005, I thought this is time now to see a little bit of world. And uh, I've just happened to have a friend here who said, well, coming over to Scotland, it's really lovely. So I just decided, I bought a ticket, it was a bus ticket, and I drove to Scotland. And I can't believe actually that I'm still here for the past 16 years. It's been a long journey, but in between, I thought that I will actually come back home. It didn't happen for many different reasons. One being that I actually found my husband here, which I knew before as well, but uh, then I gave birth to my children, and now we are a little family. And this little family, it's the best part of me that I'm still here actually in Scotland. Without them, I would probably travel in a different direction. And maybe that would be Poland, but maybe that would be a completely place on earth. And it's only them, only for them, I'm still here. The journey is something that, again, from our previous conversations, we had the chance to speak. And from things that I've been learning about you and reading, journey is important to you. And it seems to me that it's on two levels. There is the physical level of visiting places, but there is always the deeper journey. As you're saying, at youth, they are part of education, but at maturity, they are part of experience. In the physical spaces, you were talking about being a world citizen. Are there any particular journeys, apart from coming to Scotland and making it your home, that change completely the direction of your life? Yes, I can uh, recall at least one journey, and that was journey to Bali back in 2016 or 17. I made a decision to go to Bali after a few months of trying to reconnect to myself. That's the way I would call it, probably. There was months that I really couldn't find, intuitionally, I couldn't find myself in the world. I really wanted to come back to my soul, come back to my intuition, come back to who I really are in this world. So I've uh, actually packed my business. I had my catering business at that time and I thought I'm not going to continue that. And I've put all my money to that journey to Bali and I spent one whole month in Bali. I was living in a little house. I was learning yoga. I was meeting lots of different teachers from meditation teacher, anatomy teachers, teachers who taught me how to teach others as well yoga. And I've also met lovely people who actually taught me what is life about and I love this beautiful story that one of the Zen teachers taught me there about Buddha and I recall that story so many times in my head and I'm trying to remind also to other people if whenever I meet them if they're going through a journey and they could, can achieve something for instance or they want to go into spiritual journey but they forget what that journey is about and uh, this is a story about Buddha who, who had this disciple, a student who wanted to learn more about spirituality. So the student came every single day to the Buddha and was waiting for Buddha to teach him that important lessons in life. And Buddha said every single time, go and wash the dishes. Every single day, students came to Buddha, waiting for the knowledge, waiting for these teachings. And every single day, Buddha said, go and wash the dishes.
the moral of the story is that we have to really live it, like live normal life in order to kind of raise vibration of our soul and to raise our souls higher and higher. It means that with our basic life, we can be Buddhas. As we meet our people, as we meet friends, we're going to work, we help our families and friends. And in every single small pieces of our life, we are Buddhas. Cleaning the dishes day after day, caring about others and caring about the things that are around us. In this way, you can actually grow grow spirituality and you can grow your vibration. So this was such an important lesson that I've learned in Bali. And uh, when I came back after that, I realized that I have more than I wished for. The sense of kind of gratitude came to me, which I couldn't find before, yeah, that I have so much that I should be grateful and now I should care about it. And only through this way, I can grow spiritually and I can find a sense in my life. That month in Bali taught me a lot of more things. For instance, that family is the most important part because I had this interesting adventure. There was earthquake at that time. And it kind of came to my mind that I'm on my own, all by myself, in bare feet. And my family, people that I love them and I spent my life with them and who also waiting for me in the house are so, so far away. And I can't make that decision. Okay, I will meet you in five minutes. No, I'm on my own on that little island, beautiful little island, but so, so far away. And it taught me that the best places are the places that are you've got your own people around you. So at the end, I really, really wanted to come back home to sit with my children, to sit with my husband and start living, washing the dishes every day and caring about my people. That sounds really emotional and really honest. And also it sounds to me like a really brave step to decide not only to pack your business, but to leave people that you love in the need of searching yourself. And obviously that journey printed something in your soul and possibly changed your attitude. How do you think it changed your relationship with the family and with your friends that you left behind and that you came back to? You see, previously I thought that I have to find something else that defined me. And I actually, before I also I kept forgetting about myself. So I was so busy doing so many different things and pleasing others, but very often I forgot about myself. So after that journey, I also came to realization that I really need to take care of myself every single day in order to give myself more to others as well. So every day I need to sit and breathe. I need to allow to listen to my body. I love to spend a little bit of time in meditation. And it doesn't have to be hours after hours. It's just a few moments that you actually connecting to yourself, connecting to your intuition, to your mind. And only through this, you can be real and good to others. So answering your question, it definitely changed my perspective on my life and how I serve my life to others as well. And how do you serve? What would be the most important way of serving others to you? 
Well, obviously, I'm part of family, if I can put that a little bit aside. I'm involved in two big projects right now, and one which is um, teaching and practicing yoga. Well, after Bali, I've decided, I think this is what I actually want to do. I want to try this. It's very close to my heart, and I feel so comfortable in it. And I just really need to try it, because if I don't try it, I will not know whether this is for me or this is me, actually. I started and I continue until today. I'm trying to, obviously, there are stages that I concentrated on this a little bit more and less. And uh, at the moment, this is one thing that I'm putting my mind into. Let's sit down with your spine straight. Take your chin slightly up and scapulas to the back. Take a deep inhale. And with exhale, let's release all emotions. Take another inhale, let's squeeze all your muscle into one. And then with your next exhale, let's quickly release everything. Let go of everything. One more inhale and we will be set up for the class. Inhale and exhale, release. And the second one is Motskobiet, where there's this a kind of community project together with Eva Rogoshuhro that we are working and trying to encourage women to really care about themselves, love themselves, and try to work on themselves every time they can, because the change starts with you, the change starts with us, so we have to be the change, we have to make this decision. So we try to encourage women to make that decision. And uh, within that project, there are lots of different things from workshops, retreats, to different meetings, uh, to different women's circles, challenges as well that we take, adventures as well, different adventures just to have a little bit of fun. And uh, this is only for women, so not men allowed, but men are so important for us as well. And without us coming to ourselves, we couldn't be a great women to our partners and husbands and children as well. These are two projects that I'm involved within my yoga yoga business. Yeah, if that makes sense. There are also those little dots I would call it that are connecting, and this is like writing books, which is kind of my dream. And it's also drawing and painting, writing even poem. You know, those little things that making my life a little bit more interesting, but also something that it's coming out of my soul too. I will pause there for a second because I want to ask you about yoga, but I also want to ask you about the community that you've created with Eva around finding the women's power. There is almost that feeling of trying to simplify the life, not to make it too difficult or too complicated. How easy or how did you get to that stage that actually the simple things matter? Was it just Bali or was it everything else that fall into place? There is a lot of things that actually bringing you to that position that's 
the simple things more matter to you than, you know, a bunch of different things that your ego wants. Yeah. You're coming to the, in stages to that moment. And it's the best option actually to go in stages to achieve something like that. And I can say that I achieved this. This is a continuous progress because making your life simple, it also, you need to ask yourself what you actually want in your life. Because sometimes if you want a lot of materialistic things, that's totally different from having that simple life. But you can have also simple life within materialistic things. What I've noticed, for instance, because for the past four years or three years, I've been doing dream maps. I've done a lot of dream maps before, but they looked a little bit different. They were more logical. They were based on facts and information and goals, like strict goals. This, 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 and this. I need to tick, tick, tick. Whereas coming to kind of creating a picture of what you really want to achieve. After a few years, what I've noticed that on those dream maps are things, are actually not things, but my feelings, how I want to feel. So it doesn't matter what I have around, it's about my feelings. So for instance, if I want to feel relaxed and cared, I really need to pay attention a little bit to taking bath, for instance, or going into the nature and just enjoying that moment there and nothing else matters. If I want to see my children happy and I'm happy around them, I need to make sure that I'm allowing more time to spend with them, for instance, and how I approach them, what I do with them in terms of, you know, different games and fun and adventures and thinking about emotion rather than things. And I think this is the way forward. But obviously, sometimes we need to have a little bit more understanding to ourselves to achieve like a simplicity in your life, it doesn't come easy. Sometimes you have to put aside lots of different things away from you. You know, if you want to have fast-paced cars, obviously it's a little bit strange when you want to simplify life and maybe just to spend time in nature and where car doesn't matter. Yeah, so you really need to ask yourself what you really want and what you want your simple life look like because for each person it will look slightly different. And for somebody who doesn't know, can you explain what dream maps are about and how people can apply that into their personal journeys. This is actually a fantastic tool. I call it creative mandala of your dreams, where you, on a big piece of paper, you're placing different photos and pictures of things that you found in the magazines, for instance, the things that reflecting what you would like to achieve, let's say, this year. But again, this is based on emotions. I'm always emphasizing this during my workshops, that find emotion rather than particular thing. Like, let's say, somebody wants to be happy, you need to find on that picture that happiness, that face that shows that happiness, those eyes that are in spark, that hair that there's flow and lightness. And through this, you are also bringing these things more into your life because you're looking at these dream maps month after month, week after week, and you're bringing that intention into your life. And with the brain and with the subconscious mind, it's something that once you 
place something in your subconscious mind, then the new universe starts working towards it. So let's say you want to achieve that happiness and you picture that happiness because you're activating your right part of your brain. And then you bring in that picture and you're looking at that picture, you start thinking at that picture. You don't think how you're going to achieve this exactly. You're just concentrating about that happiness that you feel happy. And suddenly after a while, you decided to start noticing, yes, this actually happened. And this is amazing about dream maps that actually after a year looking at that map, suddenly you realize, oh my goodness me, I can take this, I can take that. And in terms of those feelings and the, the things you placed on your map. And uh, it's a wonderful mandala that will stay with you years after years, just a reminder what you actually achieved, what you already have in life. And it's also a reminder that you can have everything once you really, really want to. And once you put that intention into the world and show it to the world that this is what you want. It almost is about stopping hiding, but also what came to my mind very often, I think, especially as women, we struggle with describing the emotions and we've got very basic vocabulary around that. We will describe the basic one, angry, happy, sad. How does it then correlate with creating that kind of a map if it is based on feelings, if a person struggles with discovering which feelings are really important to them? First of all, during workshops that I do, for instance, I always try to break the schemes, the kind of programs that were built into our mind for years. And I've got a really nice technique that's called gamma technique that you repeat a few times and suddenly your brain is starting, what's going on? This is not the way to think because we as women, but also men as well, I would say, we love to say what other people think about us, but not really what we really think. And you're right and saying that. That's why these techniques that I'm using during my workshops are kind of breaking that thinking, that programming, and then we start meditation. So in the meditation, I'm trying to put the subconscious mind in a completely different reality, placed somewhere in the sky or in the universe where they're trying to imagine the perfect moments, the perfect life, how they want it to be, how they want to feel. And through that meditation, when they come back after their meditation, and trying to find those pictures, they know what they're actually looking for. And maybe they can't use the word, perfect word, but they can reflect this emotion in the picture. It's a completely different language. Our basic language is picture language, yeah? So we're using that vision in order to show what we really want instead of saying a word, because for each person, a word can mean something different. Let's let's say if you write a word pineapple, it's always going to be a pineapple. But for you, it's going to be a beautiful gold pineapple that it's waiting for you in the house and for other person the pineapple can mean a rotten fruit that it's ready to be binned so that's why when you picture the right pineapple on your dream board after a few months you still know what you wanted what was that pineapple about yeah and the same with the emotions looking at those pictures they choose and after meditation they know what they wanted because they can clearly describe from the picture the feelings that they were dreaming in the meditation. It brings me to yoga. We will circle around that conversation. What happened that you felt that those changes are really important? 
physical activity was always important for me and I done a lot of different things that's on the one side but just before I went to Bali I had my business catering business and it was a really great business I really felt very comfortable but I was so busy I was waking up at three o'clock at night and working straight in the kitchen and doing different foods by eight o'clock I had to wake up my children take them to school then come back finish the work then do deliveries come back because this was a home-based business so I had to come back from deliveries clean the house run to pick up the kids from school and then obviously I needed to spend time with children and there was husband there was housework there was so many things and then uh, there was also things that I love to do from painting to writing and there was clearly not enough time in the day to do all those things and I was a little bit frustrated with myself that I want to do so many things but but I don't have that courage in me to decide what exactly to do. And I started to feel a little bit more anxious. That wasn't as great time for me. So I've decided to come back with more small steps, find a place when I can settle down my mind, my monkey mind, and spend that time with myself and reflect. And then that came Bali suddenly and that opportunity. And that was a very quick decision that was, yes, I'm going to do that. I'm going to leave that catering business and I'm going to do this. Exactly. I remember speaking to my husband because I was so scared, obviously. Who would let a mother of two going over by herself to Bali for a month? Yeah. But I explained him how important that was for me to actually find myself in this journey because he noticed that I wasn't myself for a long while. Obviously, during that time, I found yoga as a kind of moment where I was settling down a little bit. And I've noticed the advantages that I'm getting stronger in my body, but I'm also getting stronger in my mind. That connection with breath, because I was practicing Ashtanga yoga, which is quite heavy and quite demanding. But the connection with breath and listen to my body actually made me stronger and stronger every day. I've noticed that this is a, a huge thing and maybe this is the way. So I had to check this out. When you were talking about that business, it actually evoked that feeling in me around like, I need to catch the breath now, like there is no space to just go and do. And then when you started talking about making decision of traveling, it automatically started calming down. So on that emotional level, it seemed to me that I can connect with that. And yoga, at the moment you're practicing yoga for yourself, but you are also teaching classes. How does it help you to build the community? And again, going back to that serving people, how do you use it as something that helps others? I'm teaching yoga, well, because I'm, I'm living in Fife and this is a small area. I'm teaching yoga in the mornings usually because I'm trying to fit it around my other activities, I would say. But since last March, I started teaching online. And obviously, this is the only way at the moment I can do this. And because I'm an early bird and I'm used to wake up so early, this is also the best time for me to connect with the community. So I'm promoting waking up early and making sure that you've got time for yourself I love the quietness of waking up at six when there's a peace and quiet in the house no sound apart of birds coming out from outside because I live in the village so the beautiful sounds are with me
I'm doing those classes seven and eight right now. And I'm also recently trying to connect with Polish community as well through Modscopit project. And hopefully I can, you know, achieve that as well and bring that yoga into Polish community with my own energy. So we'll see how this will go. It's a long-term project. And obviously there are so many teachers, wonderful teachers around. But um, I'm taking my chance again and see how this will develop. The early morning groups, obviously I'm teaching in English, so it's a slightly different community. And I'm trying to find myself within the Polish community, teaching yoga in Polish, which sometimes it's quite challenging, I would say, especially if you've been talking, especially yoga language for so many years, and suddenly you have to turn into Polish. But now I think a lot of people knows me already and kind of try to be more understanding I would say. <laughs> it is that authentic part as well of being who you are and finding yourself in that space. Motskobiet, the women's power, it's a community that you've created with Eva, can you explain again what is it all about? Probably every time you would ask me this question, I would tell something different, but always around helping women to be more powerful and helping women to find themselves and trying to live a life as they want. So we created that group and it's developing now. It's the third year and uh, it's a wonderful place where a lot of women, especially women immigrants, yes, or Polish women who travel to Scotland, to England, to Ireland, or other also countries, but who have to speak English. The group is in Polish, so they, they do different retreats, we do different women's circles, we do different challenges to lift them up a little bit, they lift it and encourage them to spend that time with other women and uh, get as many benefits as possible from those meetings. So previously, obviously, we met face-to-face and we've developed different events and workshops when they not only can learn about, you know, develop the business, but they can also develop personally, they can work with their body, they can work with their mind. We've done wonderful retreats when there was lots of different changes in women. And it's always so encouraging to hear that stories after those retreats. We meet obviously now online and we're trying to organize a lot of different things for women just to make sure that they are still there and they're still encouraged to think about themselves a little bit more egoistic perhaps but this is so important that they take care of themselves in the first place then there's a moment to take care of others so as you see this kind of message from Bali is still there with me in this project as well and uh, Eva could probably confirm that for sure and at the moment we what we do it's for instance boot camp where we exercise it's actually our fourth week of practicing and exercising and doing all we can to stay fit and healthy we've done also festival with another group from Aberdeen. We've done different online courses as well, where people can, you know, learn about different techniques, how they can empower themselves, for instance. And obviously our brains are all full of ideas. So there are lots of different projects that we hope to bring forward this year as well. And hopefully, you know, encourage even more people, more women to do stuff with us. It is about connection. And I want to ask about the pre-COVID connections because you've mentioned retreats, you've mentioned workshops. Any particular memory that was quite important for you from the times when we still lived outside of the online world in terms of experience that would touch you as much as it touched women that you've organized that for? 
I think every single retreat, actually, it's magical. We've done them few already. And every time there are women for who this journey is important for some reason. And my position during those retreats, it's to keep women also in connections with their mind and soul, with their heart. There was a lot of times when they came to me and they were talking about their stories, but they also talked the way how they could, you know, rise and stand back again on their feet. And I must say that this is the most touched moment when that person is coming to you with that honesty and that belief that, you know, once she says the story, she will get some maybe feedback. And also I'm using different techniques when I'm meeting them. So automatically it helps them to stay connected to themselves. And somehow their life is changed. Obviously it's not every single woman, perhaps because not everyone is coming with some problems or something to work on. Sometimes just women come because they want to spend time with us basically. And that's wonderful as well. And we love every single person who's coming but I would say that it would be very difficult for me to kind of pick up one place and pick up one story from that place all of them were wonderful and um, I'm sure Eva would confirm that as well it's very difficult to find one perfect one you know one which just stayed in my mind what are you learning through those retreats again I would say that I'm coming again and again to the same conclusion that without that caring about ourselves, we can achieve more. This is a kind of the basic. You need to take care of yourself first. You need to be a little bit egoistic in that sense. But once you cover that, once you build your strength, your inner strength, once you're so sure that you can handle your life, then you can move forward. Without this, it's like being stuck all the times and moaning about your situation, not progressing, but all the time coming back to the past and trying to figure out what I should do. I don't have that strength to go forward. So I'm coming back all the time to the back, to the back. And that's what's happening with a lot of women. And I'm learning about their life reminds me actually that coming back to basic, it's what it's important. Coming back to ourselves and being a little bit more egoistic as women, obviously. How did it change with COVID in terms of getting connected? Because technology is great, but what is your perspective on building that connection with people? Without this opportunity to meet others, I must say that this is very tough. Myself and Eva, we find it very tough. Although we've got this technology and we can be closer maybe with others than we we thought before because there's no distance, yeah? But that face-to-face connection sometimes has so much impact on what actually emotions are released, what it's said in that particular moment, Because people talk not only with their voice, they talk with their eyes, they talk with their shoulders, their body language. They talk also sometimes with only direction where they look at. And we can see that through the camera on Zoom or on Messenger or even through our Facebook groups. This is impossible to have that and see that so straight away. That's why meeting in person is essential. It's essential for us that only through those emotions 
emotions, we're building trust and we're building that connection. The connection is much more intense. This is what COVID is about, to really have that connection, not connection through the screen, a really deep connection. And this can be only achieved by being together in one place and one particular moment. And it is about the energy, because again, from talking to you a couple of times through the screen, I can see like your face lifting and lighting up when you're talking about women and the connection. So it's almost like sensing that energy. Why working with women is so important to you personally? Why working with women is important to me? If I say that because I'm a woman, this will be probably easy said, yeah? But I think women, they so underestimate themselves and they so often forget about themselves that I have to remind them all the time that they are important, they are enough, they are special, they can find a spark, they have to work on themselves and we are there to help them to achieve that. Sometimes men, they have a little bit more strength and empowerment to achieve different things. And we as women, we are a little bit more fragile on that level. And as the history also reminds us, before in the past, women met and let's say in the village, they met together and they were doing peeling vegetables and they were singing and talking about various things because our brain is developing this way that we sometimes have to just talk things through. We just have to cry when others are watching. We have to scream. And men's a little bit different. I suppose I understand women more than men because I'm a woman. So in that sense, it's a little bit easier to come and, and you know, spend that time with women. But at the same time, the words actually changed a little bit since 500 years ago. And now women don't meet each other as often. They don't have that opportunity. Life is so busy. They run. They have so many things to do. And they forget about themselves. It's naturally, but at the same time, you can lie on your natural instincts. And our natural instincts is to meet with other women, spend a little bit of time, move that kundalini a little bit, take the energy out, take whatever it's important inside and move on and do other things in your life. This is Just Stories Podcast. I'm Marzena Farana-Sherlock and I meet with people to find out about stories and places that are part of their history. I seek random stories told by random people. Today I'm talking to Justyna about the community for women she co-created and why working with women is important to her, about her journey to Bali and about her love for yoga. Before we close the conversation, Justyna and I will talk about a writing project and a book that she wrote with eight other women. Justyna will also tell us how painting helped her to overcome the pain of losing someone close to her. You've mentioned the painting as well. What, what is your favorite painting that you've done and what does it mean to you? You know, I've been always a quite intuitive painter. I just enjoy painting. I suppose there's a lot of artistic soul from my parents, probably, who loved painting as well. And through all my life, I've done something. I was drawing or painting, yeah? But it was more like just to enjoy the process. And uh, when I came here to Scotland, I started painting some canvases. And I've enjoyed, in the moment, I felt I just want to paint, you know? And it was quite abstract, placing, you know, paint. In the, in the way I wanted at that stage. But recently, last year, actually, I've been so busy as well. And it's always 
a reminder in my head that come back to your intuition, come back to self. So I thought it would be great to do a Vedic art course. So I've done a in September Vedic art course, and that brought a lot of deeper meaning to my painting because I could see in the painting what my soul is talking to me, and there was different things. Some things were hard, some things were beautiful. And it's amazing how through Vedic art, actually the paintings evolve and they become something so unexpected. One which is actually in front of me, it's one of the very special paintings, which was done through the Vedic art. I can show you actually this one, if you want to see. This is actually, maybe at, uh, when you're close, you can sense a little bit more that painting because this is I think 10th version of that canvas you know it was my trauma and at the beginning I couldn't figure out what my trauma is in my life in the Vedic art you come into your paint you don't finish that painting in one moment sometimes you do but sometimes you have to work a little bit more deeper and maybe you need another day to come and see what that painting actually is showing to you and suddenly one day during my class during my learning Vedic art I saw those two people who are you know in that painting so I only put a little bit of white lines to kind of express that a little bit more and it actually it's uh, it's very deep and very deep because of my story it also it's a sad story I've lost my brother two years ago my youngest brother, he died in an accident. So, and it, he was like my child, I would say, because he was 12 years younger than me. So I was, I brought him, brought him up and it, he was a very special person to me. So I did once I was started painting my trauma, I didn't realize how much that trauma actually is inside me. And it's amazing that actually the picture showed me that. And that's why it's so special. I would say that this is the most special painting so far. It's so deep and so beautiful. And it brings me that more connection, even with that spirit world, that my brother is still there and giving me that hand and show me that hand that it's I'm almost touching, but I can't touch exactly, you know. I'm really sorry to hear that, but yeah, from what I saw on the picture, those two people trying to almost get through a smoke kind of a thing. So yeah, yes, it's almost like a smoke on like a different dimension. But obviously, you see the picture through the camera, which is very difficult to actually see the kind of deepness. And underneath, there were so many other things. There were different faces. There were different masks something that I was learning about myself as well and I think that's what Vedic art is about you're learning about yourself and what you really have inside of you and what it's screaming out to be shown you know I love it I personally love it and I could show you a few more and these are all here the one which is behind me the one which is very big one I've done one evening very spontaneously my husband done the, you know, joinery work for me. And this is called happiness. And I couldn't figure out what's happiness because when you come into Vedic art and you're just given a, a subject, a title, and then you start painting and you don't know what you're going to paint. And suddenly those four people in the kind of dancing motions appear, but this is still a work in progress. It's not a finished one. So who knows, maybe something else will come up after I will stand in front of it and kind of meditate on it and see what's what it's there inside. In the paint, you talk through the color, through the lines, the expressions of lines, and also sometimes 
it's only the author who sees the things. Sometimes other people can't see it. It's a beauty, but I would say that a lot of, you know, more experienced painters or could probably say the same, yeah? Sometimes they see something different what a just spectator would see. And that's amazing. That's something that you can hide as well a little bit. What about alternative techniques or therapies that you might be using when working with people or perhaps with yourself? Tree therapy or life tree therapy. I call it therapy, but it's actually a technique. Uh, and uh, I've experienced that back in Czech. I traveled to Czech to meet that wonderful woman, Dorotka, who speaks only Polish. Actually, it happened that she spoke Polish. And um, we went through that tree therapy when you basically you have to draw a big tree and there are different dots and connections and she's asking you questions and through those questions there are things like uh, programs or ways you experience different things with other people when you have to tr try to find an understanding of your position of now and you can work on uh, life as it is at this very moment or you can work how your life and how you're feeling and what's there inside from your past, even from your birth time, you know, technique to learn a little bit more about yourself and find that understanding why the things are happening the way they are happening. And I personally don't do that technique, but I do a lot of drawing and I ask on my workshops to draw a lot because through drawing, you can show those emotions that we talked through a little bit earlier as well. With trauma releasing, this is a, another great technique. And uh, I once, I don't do this workshop right now, but I once I had that workshop let it go where I used this trauma releasing exercise and it's a great technique when your body is shaking to that stage that you can't control the shaking and through this shaking you are getting rid of negative emotions so it's almost like dogs sometimes when they fight with other dogs suddenly they come to a moment when they try to shake their body and they they are natural like you know everything is okay and the same with trauma releasing exercise and it's a great way to really shake off your shit i would say but in commas obviously but your everyday life troubles and problems the ones that are building your mind you know i love them personally and i use them every time I, i feel like i need to yeah because this is life we are all in that kind of stages sometimes when we need to get rid of those negative emotions and this is a great opportunity to do that I really love women who own what they know about themselves and having that ability to own certain things in not a fake, modest way. So actually admit I'm good at this. I can do that. And it leads me to something that I'm really intrigued about because... I know you're doing yoga. I know you're connecting with women. I know that you've done self-finding journey. But again, there is something about connecting with the women. And you wrote a book with eight other girls that Scotland connected. And it's the waving of her stories. That's right. Yes. Can you tell me about that? This is actually my second book. The first one, it's a little book for children. And this 
the waving of her stories is a second book which was written with eight other women as you said and some of these women i don't know personally what's even interesting but there's a one connection and that connection is scotland which actually coming very nicely to the subject we started talking about scotland so i've actually got this book with me and uh, it's where nine amazing women on the various points of life choose to leave their homeland obviously come to scotland spend a little bit time here and this book is it's, there are stories from different times in their life with only that one connection to Scotland. And it's quite interesting experiment, actually, because we were given the title of the chapter and we had to write on that particular moment how we felt. We could write whatever we wanted. It could be a poem. It could be a story. It could be something that you, you know, working on anything, but connected to the name of the chapter. But with that emotional connection as well how you felt at this particular moment and later on we didn't change even that our situation changed and let's say there was some women who experienced some depression for instance yeah or very difficult moments in their life and in that particular moment they were writing about that and suddenly when the book was published last year actually the situation completely changed so maybe they would like to rewrite that chapter but they couldn't so this is amazing place where we had to journal our our life and write some stories from that perspective in that particular moment. And it's very personal in moments. So sometimes you can learn a lot about all nine of us. And now all those women are in different, you know, places in the world. One is, I think, in Canada, another in, in Argentina. So many different places. And this was an interesting experience also for me. This was also a project that we've done for Healing Center in Edinburgh because all money that coming from the selling of this book, it's coming for the Healing Center in Edinburgh. Do you mind reading a wee bit of the story that you've written? I have to find a one. I don't have that prepared right now. Give me a second. Maybe I'll give an impression. It's pretty long, but it also shows you the methods I'm working on with yoga and with my different workshops, yeah? Below word execution is a part of meditative conversation with the self. This special moment brought memories of the past experience and the feelings at the same time. Some things had been dismissed over time and appeared so suddenly during meditation. Others came up so easy and are still vivid in my life. Many words express the situation and I'm amazed how accurate they are. But please bear in mind that my words are also limited in meanings. Being a native speaker would definitely bring more clarity. However, this word is mine and it show up as I see. I give you a freedom to interpret this meditation and see with your own eyes. Perhaps it's the only thing you need right now. And this is that meditation that is coming. Intuition brought, it's, it's actually, if I can enter a little bit more, uh, to that stage, it's actually about me being here in Scotland. So that journey actually that we were talking about. Intuition brought me here. I said, hello and good morning. There was excitement and a growing dismay. Home, sleep, eat, work, and then even work more. Views, landscapes, journeys, laugh, smiles, and rain. Tears, sobbing, and bits of sunshine. Rush, too much rush. Volunteering, studying, working, pleasing, friends, no friends. Checking, discussing, admiring, and hating, and scramble eggs. Blitz of everything you could dream. 
but not an one special dream. No real guidance, tiredness, missing home, melancholic, no sense of what to do, sense of being lost, broken, frustrated, lonely, far too many lessons, pain all over, wandering, calculating, and then lots of work, inner child, mindfulness, meditation, trauma raising, shaking, crystals, trees, more dreaming, maps, lots of maps, complex, coming back to intuition, coming back to self, blitz of inner work, self-mentoring, sleeping, angels, high spirits, toughing out the pain, shamanism, rescuing little me, nurturing the woman in me, energy work, coming back to self, slowly, painfully, with hope, healing from the past, from the present, healing from relationships, people, expectations, healing from inner programs for self, discovering self, being real, bringing the change, being the change, smiling, loving, accepting, nurturing, grateful, being free again, butterflies, peace, saying good morning to life, saying hello to the world again, and hello to who I am. Hello. The chapter actually is called Hello World. So that was my particular chapter under that name, Hello World. Beautiful, amazing. It almost seems like it sums up the journey. It is a, a huge sum up, yes, exactly. And it shows so many different stages when you are immigrant, when you are women. And then at the end, there's that acceptance that these changes are a natural part of your life. And it brought me here and who I am today as well. So I should be grateful all over for that experience anyway. And this is it because it sounds like summary, but at the same time, it sounds like an opportunity to open the door again and look through the door. And it's that cycle of things that are happening. This is how I relate to that. I might be overanalyzing or overinterpreting what you've just read, but this is something that sounds to me from that particular piece that you've just read. Yes, absolutely. And now coming to the story I said at the beginning about Buddha, it's all about washing dishes. Every single day you're coming up to back again to the same thing, washing dishes, like a Buddha said. And the finding a gratitude in that opportunity of practice. You know, I would just add maybe that actually this is yoga as well for me. Yoga, it's not only asana and meditation. It's also accepting the moment you are, the moment, and doing very simple things in life in a conscious way. Justina, I just wanted to thank you for your time. You're very welcome. I had the pleasure as well. <laughs> thank you so much. Thank you for listening to me as well. It's been amazing. Thanks again. Thank you very much. I could talk to Justyna for hours. I love her energy and the way she grabs life with both hands. The passion and enthusiasm are contagious and when I talk to Justyna, I can't stop smiling. I loved every minute of our conversation and I hope you loved it too. This was the ninth episode of Just Stories Podcast. Thank you for listening. You can tune in to Just Stories Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts and Podbean platform. In the next episode, we will meet Alistair McDougall, who loves the outdoors. The love led him to Amisfield World Garden in Haddington, which story we will reveal. Marzena Farana Sherlock, thanks for listening. See you in two weeks.